Welcome to another episode of the Traveler's Art Podcast. Wherever you are, I hope this podcast finds you happy and well. And if not, may it be a catalyst to pull you out of those emotional or temporary doldrums we tend to find ourselves in from time to time. Currently, I am sitting in a coffee shop enjoying an absolutely exquisite cup of pour through coffee. It is unreal. Oh, wow. I I should maybe do a a story on the best cup of coffee I've ever had. I also love to know great cups of coffee other people have had. There's always a good story there. In any case, today's episode only has one story and it has no interruption or break music. So it'll be fairly easy to listen to without an interruption. I did have somebody email me and they made a suggestion that I hadn't really thought of and I thought I'd pass it on. They did suggest that if you're listening to it alone, do listen to it with headphones on. They had said that they listened to it for a period of time, just kind of broadcasting off of their phone. And then they put the headphones on and they said, oh, the sound was so much better. So I thought I'd just pass that on. I don't know what it's like if you put it on a stereo That would be really unnerving for me to walk into a room with my voice on a stereo. Boy, that'd be uncomfortable. In any case, today's episode is short, and I'm going to keep the intro short. I want this podcast and this story to really stand on its own merit. But I will end the intro with the basic idea that it's important that we tidy up our affairs back home. When I was in Cambodia years ago, this woman I had met got an email that they had repossessed her car back back home. And I thought, oh, now that is not the news you want to get. Her whole trip had gotten hijacked. And although I don't know the details, it probably could have been avoided. I can actually see the look on her face and the level of duress that that caused. Huh. Well, I think that's enough of an intro. Today's episode is called Settling Up. I hope you like it. I'm in my car, driving to a fitness gym. It's a beautiful sunny day. I pull into the parking lot and I go ahead and park. I'm a little apprehensive as I exit the car and and walk toward the gym. And my reason for being so apprehensive is that this friend of mine basically went dark on me about a month and a half prior to this. Now, we all have different types of friends, you know, some friends we see on a regular basis, but we really don't get close to. And some people we spend a few moments with and we're somehow really close to them. And I think some of that has to do with things that are somewhat unexplainable, but some of them are. We maybe have a common ground, when we were younger, we might have done something similar. Um, we have some similar interests, things like that. They tend to nurture relationships faster than perhaps other relationships. Well, this relationship with my friend, it, it was a bit young, but really 
pretty solid and we shared a lot of common ground when we were younger and it became very quickly an important one in my life. And so as I'm walking up to the gym, uh, I'm going up the stairs to the third floor, which is where his, his gym was going to be. As I walk up the stairs, it was a little unnerving. It kind of felt like I was walking up instead of down to a dungeon. And I open the door and there's, uh, there are people working out. I wasn't prepared to work out. I was in jeans and a, and a collared shirt, having just come from another meeting. I was really impressed. I was blown away, to be quite frank. There was a number of clients there. The gym was beautifully laid out. This was a real training facility. A lot of thought had gone into this place. I said to myself, I'd love to work out here. This looks fantastic. You could really get fit and challenge yourself. And and uh, I, I'd like to work out there. So I kind of hang out in the background, waiting for the training session to finish up and just kind of take stock in the whole environment. And like I said before, it was, it was laid out superbly well. It had some motivational quotes up on the walls, not too many mirrors, which I kind of liked. I always thought the mirrors were a little bit of a vanity thing that was unnecessary. But just some of the apparatus that were there were clearly functional fitness oriented. There's plenty of weight, so if you wanted to, to get a pump on, you could. But I just kind of waited for things to finish up. And as they did, uh, people walked out. I got introduced by my friend a few times to some of his clients. Everybody left. And then we proceeded to walk around the gym as my friend basically gave me this great tour, uh, explaining the different sections and what you could do with those and what some of his clients were doing. And I just looked at him straight up and I said, I'm very impressed. This is a beautiful facility that is clearly designed for someone to challenge themselves and to change, to create personal transformational change. And he looked at me with this very humble expression and just said, thank you. Like, I really appreciate that. And, um, and I said, cool. And then he looked at me very, very intensely, but not like angry. I could tell right then that he was tense. There was something going on for him. And I thought, okay, something's up for him. And he looked at me and he said, glad you came, but I also wanted you to come because I wanted to talk to you about something that's been on my mind. And it's one of the reasons why I didn't call you. I thought, sure, yeah, I'd love to know. Now, I never brought up anything. I didn't say anything about the fact that he had gone dark or I hadn't heard from him or anything like that. And I've just learned a long time ago that it doesn't matter. People do what they want to do. Uh, in my late 30s, I really understood the idea that people have the right to change their mind and they can do so without reason, provocation, or logical disposition. And so he had chosen not to call me. And I, while it was challenging for me, I just thought, hey, when he's ready to come around or he wants to talk to me again, he will. Because I had reached out with three phone calls, two text messages, and I think I wrote an email. So clearly I was doing my due diligence of reciprocity as a friend, but he was still dark until now. And he basically shared with me that he was upset because his wife had emailed me to have some photography done for her on a professional basis for this new job that she got at a law firm. 
And I wrote back kind of a standard response that I would send to anybody who is going to have uh, photographs done for their profession or their career. Because I'm under the assumption that the company they're hired by will be paying for that. And that's why I sent that. And I explained that to him and he said, no, I, I, it was, I was looking for kind of a bro deal. She's just starting out with this law firm. And I said, I had no idea that that was the case. This is a very large misunderstanding, man. This is not what you think it is. If I had known that that was going to be just for her and that she would use it in another capacity, that the money was coming from her, I would have given you the ultimate bro deal, which is essentially the same idea for everybody. Hey, let's go to a cool dinner and share some food and a couple of bottles of wine and have a great time. If I had known that, I would have had a very different response, man. And he looked at me and he was struggling because I was so clear. I wasn't involved in accusations. I wasn't involved in back and forth. I just told him the truth and I did it kindly. And I just said, and by the way, thank you so much for coming forward. And he looked me in the eye and he said, this is really challenging for me. I'm really trying to change who I am and change my behavior. And I said, I know, I, I get that from you, man, that you're really an introvert. And he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I've always thought I was a bit of an introvert, but didn't want to accept it. And so I'm challenging myself now to just engage with people on a more conscious level. And I said, that's awesome. And let's, let's schedule this headshot right now. And I pulled out my calendar and I said, what day and uh, time works for you guys? Because I've got three locations we can shoot at. I'll get a makeup artist, I'll bring an assistant, and I just put it together on the spot. Not to be compensating, but because I genuinely wanted to do it. I cared. That's what friends are for, in my opinion. And that brings up a really important thing about friendship that I, I hold very dear. When I read uh, Khalil Gibran's book called The Prophet, and I read this section on friendship, it really sung true to me. There's a lot of different pieces of text in that one section. But the one phrase that I've never forgotten is that there is no purpose in friendship save the deepening of the spirit. And that's basically how I have consistently tried to navigate my friendships and build friendships and also measure them. So that being said, uh, we got our, our schedules lined up and could feel that uh, there was this huge sense of relief in him. He was walking around lighter. He was so much happier. And uh, as I was walking out, he turned to me and he just said, hey, thanks for listening to me. And I really appreciate it. I just, I really do, Don. And I said, hey, awesome, man. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, you know, we could just sort it out, man. This is great. I closed the lid to my laptop and just was in a great state. I started packing some of the equipment I was going to take for a dive trip I was going to do on a small island off the coast of Bali. I had been working in Jakarta for on assignment for about three months, I think, and had found out about this cool island uh, to dive off of that was like Bali was 25 years ago, which made me really excited. And so I was just in a really great state. I had this phenomenal video conference with my friend about getting back to the States and going through some training. And I said, hey, look, let's, uh, 
let's merely make it worth your while. I think we should do something where maybe we do a, an entire video series of maybe they're just five minutes of kind of the training, the results, what's happening, what you see, what I'm feeling, and kind of really make it strong and leverage uh, that for your gym and you. And he says, oh, that sounds great. I'm really excited. And I, I really had never had a personal trainer in my life. And I thought, hey, this could be a great experience where I'm I'm getting trained by a world-class trainer and he's also getting great media to help promote his business and also what he believes in, what's important to him. He believes in fitness. And I thought this would be a great win-win. So I proceeded to go through my checklist of all the kit I was gonna take did a little bit more research and booked my flight in conjunction with the high-speed boat to get to the island along with some accommodation. I actually decided, by the way, that even though I was gonna be there for a shorter time, that I would do things ahead of time instead of my normal way, just because I had a client commitment back in Jakarta. So I, I, I had to kind of balance my normal travel style with a more business travel style. And I think that's an important uh, nuance on why I was doing some of the things I was doing because I much prefer to take my time when I, I book accommodation and things like that so I can really feel good about where I am. So everything was booked, I was ready to go. I sat down and, and uh, proceeded to turn on an episode of Blue Planet. As I exhaled, the bubbles created this beautiful soothing effect. I was floating perfectly, trimmed and neutrally buoyant at about 30 feet of depth, watching a dozen giant manta rays swim, although I would call it more like flying, around me and a few other divers as they went through cleaning stations and and areas where they could also do some feeding. It was mesmerizing. I felt completely relaxed and very calm as I watched these magnificent creatures. Absolutely stunning. If you've never dove with manta rays, it is one of the top experiences. It is phenomenal. The water was so clear that the manta rays looked as if they were hovering in space. And it was only the, the blue tint that was the giveaway that they were actually in water. It, I will never forget that. That was some of the clearest water I've, I'd ever been in in my life. It was astonishing. After I got back on the boat after diving for about an hour, we were gonna relocate to another dive and Everybody in the boat, just three other people, were just chatting it up. And I went to the bow and uh, just kind of sat by myself and drank some water to rehydrate and, and had a, a little bit of a snack. And the, uh, the boat ride was actually fairly short to the next dive site. And I got into the water again. And this was kind of like a drift dive. So I'm drifting along and it's just this beautiful array of soft corals, giant sponges, and marine life that was something out of Blue Planet, which I had watched two weeks ago. It was amazing. And I decided to stop and watch this small school of fish orbit around this 
what appeared to be a very old sponge as they were just kind of going around and I was in awe. And then I looked over and I saw the rest of the divers I was with, about three others in this particular dive guide. They were drifting quite a ways away and I thought, ah, I, I can dive alone, I don't mind, but I want to make sure that, you know, nobody freaks out and their dive trip isn't affected by my choices. And so uh, I just proceeded to go kind of swim back to where they were drifting. And as I did, I looked out to sea because we were on a reef and I was looking out into the deep water and right, right as I looked out, out of the depths came a giant mulla, which is a enormous fish that has no tail. Instead, it has like these paddles coming off the top and the bottom of its body. It feeds mainly on jellyfish and it just came up, went right by me. I felt like I could have touched it, but it was probably a pretty good distance away overall. And then it just uh, gently swam away. And I, I was, I just kind of went limp in the water. I was just so relaxed and overwhelmed on how amazing that was. When I got into the boat again with the, the rest of the clients and the guide, I said, did anybody see the mullet? And they said, no, no, really? And I said, yeah, I just got lucky. Where everybody's put their kid away. We're, we have a, a little bit of about a 30-minute boat ride back down to the dive center. And I'm drinking some water and I'm thinking how happy I am that I'm alive. How blessed I feel that today has been. You know, the, the assignment I was on was, wasn't bad, but it certainly wasn't inspiring. It wasn't great. And I just was noticing everything. I was tired, but euphoric. It's a feeling that's very hard to put into words outside of it was visceral. It just was in your body. It was a body experience. We pulled up to shore. We grabbed some of our personal kit. Uh, uh, the guides and the service personnel grabbed the tanks and we walked up to the dive center. I took a nice freshwater shower and toweled off, changed my clothes to a set of... Uh, dry shorts and a t-shirt and a set of dry sandals. I walked over to the dive center manager and said, hey, I'd like to settle up with you, pay for today's dives and the previous day's dives. He said, yeah, no problem. Will you be diving with us tomorrow? He asked me and I said, I'm pretty sure I will, but let me just see how I feel. I've had two days in a row of pretty active diving. Plus I also did some surfing yesterday afternoon. So I'm feeling a little fatigued, but we'll see how I feel at the end of the day. He said, no problem at all. So I handed my credit card and he ran it through the machine and the machine failed and then the battery died. He said, well, you can just pay tomorrow when you come by. And I thought, I really kind of want to get this settled up right now. Let me, uh, let me go down to the ATM. I'll get some money and I'll come back. And he said, okay, here's the bill. He handed me the bill and being a dive professional, I got cut a little bit of a deal. So I wanted to actually pay him in cash because that would be a little bit kinder financially for him. He said, okay, great. So I left my kit there. I walked over to my motorbike, started it up, and I rode off to the ATM. And the ATM was this classic you know, place. It looked like a phone booth, it had its own air conditioner. And, and I went to the standard ATM process and it literally would only give me enough money for the exact amount of the bill. It wouldn't give me any more in one transaction. 
there was a small placard on the ATM machine that in Indonesian and in English, it said one transaction a day allowed per person. Now, how they knew that, I don't know, but I tried to get another transaction and it denied me. So as I put the money for my dives in the wallet, I noticed I had maybe enough money for a beer for the rest of the time I was here. So that put me in a tight spot, was not planning on that. Got on my motorbike, went back to the dive center, uh, gave them the money and I explained my situation. They said, you know, there is another ATM that's on the other side of the, of the island. And I thought, well, how do I get there? And they, they told me how to get there, which sounded like a maze. And I had that look on my face where I had that look of confusion. You know, when you give someone that look of confusion, like I hear you, but I have no idea what you're talking about. They said, oh, or you can just go around the long way past the, the bridge. And I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. So I decided to go the long way. So I got back on my motorbike. I'm on the way, I get to the ATM. Lo and behold, the ATM says close for service. And I thought, oh, this is gonna suck. I'm out of money for food. What I'm gonna have to wait till tomorrow. Maybe I can borrow money from the store. It just, it started getting really complicated in my head. And as I did that, a motorbike pulled up and a man with a, a small little pod on the back of his motorbike un, unlatched the latch, walked over, opened the ATM machine and swapped the box and put it in. He goes, okay, all okay. I thought, okay, it works now. Oh, he probably put money in the machine. So I go in there and lo and behold, you betcha. I got enough money for probably the rest of the time I was there and proceeded to, with a smile on my face, motorbike back to my guest house, my little villa. I walked in there and boy, was it hot. Wow. I could not believe how hot it was in that room. So I actually opened up the sliding door and one of the windows and turned the air conditioner on so that as the air conditioner is going on, it's actually like there's some of that hot air is actually leaving the, the room so that it actually get a little cooler. So I dropped my backpack that I had with me on the bed. I went and took another shower because I broke in a, a vicious sweat. Got out of the shower, toweled off, changed clothes yet again. And then I pulled my, my camera out of its housing because I had taken a lot of really uh, cool photographs I had thought of the manta rays when I was diving. I never got a shot of the mullet because it was just too quick. So I went ahead and took the camera to the housing and loaded up the card. And as the images are uploading onto the laptop, I decide to send a couple emails to uh, some friends and family. And I wanted to send an email to my friend and saying, hey, look, this is the diving here. It's amazing. Now, he was a diver too. And he was like, oh, this would be great. Do send photos. I look forward to it. And long story short, as I'm kind of looking through the images, I think, hey, I should send an email to him. I need to get his email address. Where was it? So I basically go online to his business page and I come to find out that two days ago, my friend had died. I was absolutely astonished. Two weeks ago, I had just had a video conference with him. And 
you know, a lot of people want to know how someone died. I, I don't really know if it's that cogent. And the reason why, it doesn't change anything. Unless it's like in a really unusual circumstance, they're gone. And I've lost enough friends in my life and seen enough people leave the earth to know that the cause isn't nearly as important as the feeling of the loss. And I almost didn't believe it at first. I was starting to really feel a lot of pain, but I was still confused. Like, how could this be? I'm thinking, this is one of the fittest men I've ever met in my life. It is amazing. I sat on my bed and closed my laptop in a state of paralysis. I couldn't figure it out. I stood up, I went and got some water out of the refrigerator. I was still, still struggling. It was a very emotional moment. I was not prepared in any way, shape or form. I decided to go down to the water. The guest house I'd picked was actually fairly close to the water. I don't want to call it a lagoon, but it was, it was more like a, a gentle beach. You know? Although some of the boats would land there to be able to take people out for diving and fishing. I walked out. The sun was starting to set at this point. And I stood there, looking out at the sunset. The sun at that time was behind a cloud. And there were these orange rays, like beams of orange light moving beyond the clouds. As if the sun was saying, I haven't set yet, and I'm still here. And that's kind of how I felt about my friend. And although I was hurting, and I'd probably hurt, you know, later on, I had a feeling and a thought that hit me pretty hard. And when it did, I was actually very grateful. I was so happy that my friend, he had come forward, he had challenged himself. And because of that, we were friends. I still think to this day, if he hadn't done that, I never ever would have known what was wrong. And he never would have settled that up. Well, that's it for this episode of The Traveler's Art. I really hope you enjoyed it and it offered some insight and inspiration. I really look back on this story and I look back on those experiences with my friend and it really reminds me that we always need to take care of those loose ends in our life. Everything from cleaning a fridge or cleaning our closet to making sure that our car insurance is in order and that we settle things up with our relationships. Because when we go on a trip, you just never know what's gonna happen. And I think I'm gonna play you out with a tribute to my friend Steve, who taught me the phrase, 
If it doesn't challenge you, it won't change you. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon.